All right. Well, this morning, I just want you to, uh, we have a guest speaker, and, and kind of a guest speaker. Uh, this person, Carl Amuzu, has been coming to our church for a significant amount of time. Char uh, Car Charles. Carl is in the process of exploring and beginning to plant a missional church community in Vancouver, the city of Vancouver, and stretching and reaching to reach people, uh, people who are de-churched, unchurched, uh, spiritual nomads, all kinds of different experiences. But uh, as we move into this next or this last in our series, I, I asked Carl to prepare for it because I think he has a unique insight into this area. And so I'd love for you to give your warmest Horizon Church welcome as Carl makes his way. I think he's here somewhere right there on the side. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Now, yeah, as you can see, Carl's a big guy, and we're just so grateful for his life and ministry, and, uh, you know, planting the church is not an easy thing to do, but he's just grabbed a hold of it and said, God, I want to obey you. So can I just invite you to stretch your hand toward him? We're going to pray for him, and then uh, see what God does in our own hearts. So Father, I thank you for Carl. Thank you for the word of God that's within him, Lord. Thank you for the work of God that's uh, happening through him. And Lord, I bless him in the name of Jesus, and we receive him and your word through him in Jesus' name. Amen. So just, uh, how you guys doing this morning? That's good. All right. I always, like, forget to open things up before I get up here, and so I end up, uh, doing this, but uh, just give me one second, I'll get right to this. Yeah, so this morning, um, yeah, Pastor Craig uh, asked me to conclude uh, our series, Blessed, right? And so we've been going through, which has been an exploration um, from the Sermon on the Mount uh, of the things that we call the Beatitudes. Right? And so, how many of you guys have ever wondered where the word Beatitudes come from? Right? I know I have. Right? Um, it was one of my first questions when I was asked to prepare for this. And so, naturally, I began to think about what it meant. And so, we get our English version of the word Beatitude from the original Latin word Beatitudinum, which translates into English as state of blessedness, which is so less cool than my original guess for how the word originated, right? Which was based on a play from Exodus 3.14 where Moses asks for God's name and God says, my name is I am, right? Which is the first person verb form of the verb to be. So in short, God's name could be be, right? Which led me then to think about these sayings, these postures or these attitudes that we as followers of Jesus um, are called to follow because they are God's attitudes or B's attitudes or Beatitudes, right? But all that to say, I was wrong. <laughs> even, though, even though I thought it was much cooler in my definition and origin of the word Beatitude, I was still wrong. So when I say the word Beatitude, though, because I'm ADHD and my mind just trails off this way, um, my mind naturally went to, if you want to put the slide up, this, breakdancers. And I know your guys' minds all went to breakdancers as well, right? <laughs> and because breakdancers, another name for breakdancers is b-boys. 
And so I'm, I'm going to go somewhere with this. So, but first, let me give you a little history lesson on, on hip-hop, right? So MC Shan, um, he was a legendary MC from a group called, uh, uh, blank on the name of the group. But anyways, a, a legendary MC. And so his line for hip-hop was this. This is the origins of hip-hop. Hip-hop was set out in the dark. They used to do it out in the park. Hip-hop started in a park. That, that's the origin of hip-hop. But in the 70s, it was an underground movement known as hip-hop and was born in the neighborhood of the South Bronx in New York City, right? And three of the main elements of hip-hop were the DJ who would play an instrumental part of the record known as the break over and over again and create what they called a break beat. And then you had the MC who would rhyme over the break beat and the b-boys or break dancers who would dance over the break beat, right? But the MC had to persuade the, the, the b-boys to dance. And until they were persuaded, they basically would stand in the middle of everybody in what was called a b-boy stance. Basically, they're doing this in the middle of everybody, right? And people would say, I'm chilling in my b-boy stance or I'm standing in my b-boy stance. And one of the cool things about the origins of hip-hop culture is that it emerged in the midst of, of, of a neighborhood that was rife with gang wars, different groups of young people who would fight each other over turf and respect, right? And hip-hop was introduced as a peaceful way to settle differences, to settle conflict, right? Instead of fighting, stabbing, shooting one another, they would battle with breakbeats, with words, and with dance moves, Right? And hip-hop as a culture or originated as a peacemaking movement in the midst of a world that was filled with violence. Hip-hop has gone from a culture, culture that cultivated and create, created peace in the midst of a world at war to a genre of music that at times now leaves a lot to be desired, right? And you're probably wondering, how did hip-hop go from peacemaking to asking people to watch you whip a nene, right? It's... <laughs> right? And so, to be honest, like, honestly, I'm just as confused as anybody here about how that switch took place. And in my opinion, and don't stone me if you love the mumble rap version of Zumba that has taken over hip-hop, right? It's gone from a culture of wisdom to a culture of foolishness. Hip-hop has gone from a culture of peace to a culture of power. Or maybe it's better to say hip-hop has gone from a posture of peace to a posture of those who are seeking power, right? It has gone from a posture of peacemaking to glorifying the violence that it sought to replace. But there are those that are trying to recover, right, that are working to get back to the posture of peace from which hip-hop emerged. There are those who are recovering the sacred art of the b-boy stance in the midst of a culture that says peace is weak and promotes power. Last week, Pastor Craig spoke, and when he spoke, he touched on the wisdom of the Beatitudes, right? He brought us to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which is where the, where the Sermon on the Mount is where the Beatitudes are found. And if you want to put the slide up, we'll just read the slide. Um, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. In fact, the Beatitudes are the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, and the analogy of building your house securely on a rock or on the wisdom of Jesus is the conclusion. So the Sermon on the Mount continually plays with these two ideas of posture, right? Posture and one's actions, 
right? If you have a posture of wisdom, then you are going to act wise. If you have a posture of foolishness, you are going to act foolish, right? And so the house building analogy draws us out. And if we listen to the words of Jesus, our posture will reflect that. But if we fail to listen to the words of Jesus, we are going to act accordingly as well because it's posture and action. Last summer, I faced this situation that showed me how much posture, the posture of Jesus, the posture of the kingdom of heaven had seeped into my soul. You see, I am the, the black son of a white mother, right? So my earliest memories are microaggressions and racism levied at my family, right? Because people telling my mother how brave she was to adopt and rescue three black children from Africa because obviously in the 1980s, it could not be possible for her to be the biological mother of such children. Right? And that is just the first example of racism that I encountered in my life. And unfortunately, I faced a lot more racism than I would ever care to, to, to even want to even talk about. But I've dealt with everything from being insulted to, ace, uh, to assaulted because of the color of my skin. Right? And this past summer, an overt threat to my being um, based on racism reared its head back in my life. Right? And I felt completely blindsided by this and betrayed by this encounter. And when this incident happened, I was angry. I was full of rage. But as I sat with this, there was something in me that said I needed to share what happened, but not through the lens of rage, not through the lens of anger, but through the lens of grace, through the lens of peace, through the lens of reconciliation, right? When, what this incident did was test my posture. How would I ultimately respond? Could I respond from a posture that Jesus modeled and gave to us? Right? To quote one of America's greatest theologians, the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. I was tested in my posture. Could I respond from a posture of the kingdom of heaven? Right? This moment of this, like, was a deciding to act from a posture of peace has led me on this massive journey over the last eight months. Right? One that exposed in my heart where it wasn't in alignment with God, actually. It, 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 and where God was actually trying to bring healing to my life. And where God was trying to bring peace to my life. Where God was trying to bring reconciliation to my life. Right? And our, our posture will always dictate our actions. Right? And so as much as chilling in a b-boy stance was a statement about waiting to dance, it was also a posture of peace. Because chilling in your b-boy stance meant that you were ready for action, but from a posture of peacemaking instead of a posture of power. As followers of Jesus, the Beatitudes are the posture, posture that we are chilling in, right? It's a posture that will always dictate our actions. And Jesus is speaking these words of life, these words of wisdom, these words of how to be in the midst of a chaotic society in the midst of first century Roman Empire, right? And the Roman Empire was ruled by an emperor who ruled with absolute and brutal power. The emperor was called Caesar, and Caesar was worshipped as a god in the Roman Empire, right? And so that's the historical and political context in which these words are being spoken, in which these postures are being given, right? In the previous scene prior to the Sermon on the Mount, Pastor Craig taught us that Jesus' audience was an audience made up of a great crowd that followed him, right? From Galilee and from the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Jesus' audience was made up of Jews and Gentiles, insiders and outsiders, 
those who knew the Torah, the Jewish law and cultural tradition, and those who didn't. Jesus was not just talking to religious insiders, right? He was taking, talking to a, an entire cross-section of the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire was this ever-present reality for every single person in the first century, right? And so the Roman Empire has some specific sayings, right? And one of those sayings was, Caesar is Lord. And another saying was Pax Romana, which is Latin for Roman peace, which was always followed by this other saying, peace through victory. The Roman Empire would crush its enemies, and in doing so, they saw this as bringing peace to the world. Ultimately, the empire's posture was one of power. The, early in the, earlier in the gospel, according to Matthew, we are introduced to this idea of the kingdom of heaven, right? And the kingdom of heaven has come near, or the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is Jesus' political announcement as king, right? This is the announcement throughout his ministry. So talking about another kingdom in the midst of the Roman Empire was treason. And if we remember when Jesus is, is, is the charge that was nailed atop of Jesus' cross when he was crucified, when he was killed by the Roman Empire, the charge read, King of the Jews. Jesus was ultimately killed under Roman law for proclaiming kingship of another kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Right? The kingdom of heaven also had some sayings, though, right? And this is what the Beatitudes set up. This is the political posture, in a sense, of the kingdom of heaven. And those who took this posture or take this posture of the kingdom, the posture of peace, would be enemies of the empire whose posture was power. If one lives into the reality of the kingdom of heaven, if one lives from a posture of peace and humility, then one will find themselves persecuted by the empire, which is the reality of the early church. The first couple of hundred years of the, of the church's history, and even now throughout the world, when followers of Jesus live from a posture of peace, they find themselves persecuted by those who live from a posture of power. Even down the scene that Jesus is, the saying that Jesus is Lord is a challenge to the empire. Right? It's something that we take for granted today because we say Jesus is Lord. We praise, like it's, 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 it's our it's our statement that we make every single day, and we do it in freedom, and we do it without persecution. But in the first century Roman Empire, if you said Jesus is Lord, you were committing treason. In, saying, like, in those words, one was saying, if Jesus is Lord, then Caesar is not. As followers of Jesus, we are called to the posture of the kingdom of heaven. We are called to a posture of peace. We are called to follow Jesus even to the point of death in this posture. Right, the early church, before it was known as a church, was called the way, which was short for the way of Jesus. Right? And what a posture, what posture are you chilling in, in a sense? What posture are you standing in? Is it peace or power? Is it kingdom or empire? Is it the way of Jesus or the way of Caesar? Right? Because our posture will always dictate our actions. Right? Over the past few weeks, we've walked through different postures of the kingdom of heaven, known as the Beatitudes, right? And so these different postures, just to recap, like the poor of spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who mourn, they shall be comforted. The meek, they shall inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be satisfied. The merciful, they receive mercy. The pure in heart, they shall see God. And so today we're going to finish this exploration of these postures of peace, these attitudes of God, is calling, the attitudes that God is calling us to engage life from. And the last two are peacemakers, and they shall be called sons of God, 
and those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? And then after this, the Beatitudes are summed up in two verses, 11 and 12. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Starting and ending with theirs is the kingdom of heaven is the author's way of telling the reader that this list, this is the beginning and this is the end of the list, right? Because back in the first century Roman Empire, they didn't have bullet points, they didn't have numbered lists, right? They didn't have PowerPoint and all these different things. So they utilized literary cues to let the reader know what was happening. And the shift from categories to Jesus addressing the people directly, blessed are you versus blessed are those, right, shows that this is a shift from summarizing what these postures, summarizing what these postures are doing to summarizing what these postures are going to look like when you live them out. So we are going to jump into the last two postures now and further explain, explore them in light of this notion of posture and action. Um, so... The next one is, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew 5, verse 9. It is interesting to me that those who cultivate peace in a world, in, in a world are called children of God. Why children of God, right? Or sons of God. I think it is because when we are about the business of cultivating peace, bringing forth shalom or reconciliation or resurrection, we look most like our heavenly father, right? In the kingdom of heaven, if it's about peace and not power, then it makes sense that the sons of God's, the sons of God are the ones who create peace in the world, are the ones who create shalom in the world. And so this idea of we give peace to receive peace, right? And the best way, like, you know, that we see peace in our own lives is to be peacemakers in the lives of others, right? If we are busy cultivating peace around us, our world will become a lot more peaceful, right? It's a basic principle. It's better to give than to receive, right? Or just the golden rule as we have come to call it, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? Or do good to those who persecute you. Or another way of saying that is give peace to those who offer you war. Offer hospitality to those who offer you hostility. Offer to have a dance-off with those who offer to fight you. <laughs> Right? And in this way, we will cultivate peace. The church has throughout history has wrestled, though, with trying to use power to, act, to enact change in the world instead of peace. Right? When the kingdom of God is calling us to a very different posture, it's calling us to a posture of peace. But there's times when we want to be first when God is calling us to be last. We want to be the most when God is calling us to be the least. We want to be powerful when God is calling us to be cultivators of peace, right? And so we have two choices in front of us. Are we going to live from the empire's posture of power or are we going to live from the kingdom's posture of peace, right? And we stand here saying that we believe Jesus changes everything. But more often than not, we live out of the creed of Rome sometimes, right? Peace through victory, peace through success, peace through money, peace through accumulation, peace through power. But God is calling us, inviting us to live from the kingdom's posture of peace. Peace through love, peace through restoration, peace through reconciliation, 
peace through forgiveness, peace through serving, peace through laying down our rights and picking up our crosses, peace through giving peace. So which posture are you standing in, power or peace, right? Our posture will always dictate our actions. And so the next posture is blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 5.10. So the kingdom of God will always lead to explosive growth, but it comes with persecution a lot of times. There's a, there was a saying in the early church that went like this, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The blood of those who are persecuted is what makes the church grow. We see the pattern in the book of Acts, right? We see the pattern throughout the New Testament. When people of God are willing to suffer, are, are willing to be crucified, are willing to take a step forth and serve no matter what the cost, we see the kingdom of God break forth. We see it in Jerusalem in the first century when Peter and John rejoice and praise God because they were counted worthy, worthy to suffer for Jesus. We see it today in the underground church that despite the persecution that goes on, beyond what we can imagine, it's exploding. It's bursting at the seams. It cannot be stopped. When we lay down our rights, when we lay down our lives for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God grows. The disciples in the book of Acts go from hiding from Rome to preaching the good news of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven to every tongue under heaven and the kingdom of God explodes. Right? It goes from a room of 120 people to basically 1.9 billion people around the world today and more. Right? It explodes. I don't know if you were aware of this though, but the church doesn't always have the best reputation in our society. Right? And I fear that many of us believe that it's because we're following Jesus that we don't have the best reputation. And just a, just a question, have you ever considered that it might, be it might be the opposite? Have you ever thought that it isn't always because we follow Jesus well that we face a bad reputation, we face persecution, right? We mistake a loss of privilege with persecution. We mistake no longer being first in society with persecution. We mistake no longer getting the most out of our society with persecution. Luke 14, um, Jesus says it this way in Luke 14, verses 8 through 11. When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor. Lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place. So that, so that when the ho your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. And so this is, here's the truth in this, right? That Jesus tells us that if you sit at the foot of the table, if you take the servant's position, you can only be elevated. It's a heart issue. It's a posture issue, Right? But if we take the seat of honor, a position of honor, a place of privilege, a posture of privilege, do not be surprised when the host asks you to move down for someone more honored, someone more privileged. In our society, a society not submitted to King Jesus, we should not be surprised that the followers of Jesus are not asked to sit at the places of honor and privilege. And that should not change our posture one bit. We are still called to be servants of our friends, to be servants of our family, to be servants of our persecutors. 
We are still called to be peacemakers. We are still called to be agents of reconciliation in this broken world. We are still called to follow Jesus in laying down our rights. Our lives, laying down our lives to see resurrection, laying down our lives to see restoration, reconciliation, to see peace, to see shalom, to see the kingdom of God transform everything in this world, to transform the entire cosmos. Right? So are you standing in a position of power, in a posture of power or a posture of peace? Because our posture will always dictate our actions. Right? And so, um, yeah. So this next slide, Matthew 5, 11 to 12, we're gonna, I'm just going to read it one more time. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and other, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus tells us that if we follow after him, if we live from a posture of peace, if we adopt the postures of the kingdom of heaven, we will come into conflict with those who live from a posture of power. If we choose to chill in the divine stance, we can expect to be reviled, looked down upon, even persecuted. We can expect to be slandered against. But if we make sure our posture, make sure that our posture is because we are consistently choosing to move from a posture of peace, the posture of love, the posture of reconciliation, the posture of Jesus, we're gonna, we can expect these things. Because our posture will always dictate our actions. When I was like 14 years old, right, I tried to learn how to break dance. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't good. I was really, really bad. Um, but most of it was just because I didn't practice. I wanted to be able to chill in a b-boy stance without actually doing the work to chill in a b-boy stance, right? And I think living from the posture of the kingdom of heaven will take practice, right? Just like breakdancing or just like any other thing we hope to master, in fact, right? So today, um, we're just passing out these cards and on the cards, um, can I get one of the cards actually, bro? Thanks. Yeah. And on the cards, it says, blessed are the peacemakers. I need peace in. And you're going to find some lines there. And you're being given a pen, right? And so this week, I want us to practice living from a posture of peace. And since we talked about peacemakers heavenly, I want to talk about that particular posture for this week, right? So on the card... I want you to write down at least one thing in your life that you in, in your life right now that you need to experience peace in. Right? Maybe it's in your family, right? Maybe it's in your work situation. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's in your health. Maybe it's in your emotions. Or maybe it's in something else that I didn't even list right now. But go ahead and take a moment to write down at least one thing that you need to experience peace in right now. And for me, the biggest area I would say, and, and, and just to lean into this with everybody, this is community, is that the biggest area that I need to experience peace in my life is in my mother's health right now, 
right? And I'm believing God to heal my mom. I'm, and that's the area that, that I'm praying for peace in. That's the area that I'm writing down on this card if I had a pen. <laughs> and so does everyone have a, a pen and, 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 and everyone had an opportunity to write it down yet? Um, and here's the thing, right, is that in the areas that we don't have peace, like we give our troubles over and we trust that God, the God who is the God who cultivates peace with us, right? And as we go about the work of cultivating peace in others, it changes our posture, right? And so I'm believing that God will make peace in your life, right? Not because you create peace, but because you are his children, God loves you. And as such, our posture automatically becomes peace. Right? We, we give our troubles. Oh, slide was there twice. Um, we get to participate in creating peace in this world together. And when we do so, we naturally begin to see peace at work in our own lives. Right? So today, I want, I want us to take a step. I want us to take, like, a, a step in, in, into the posture of peace, into the posture of the kingdom of heaven together, into the posture of being peacemakers. And so today, I want us to live from our identities as, as peacemakers. I want you to take your card, the one that you wrote down, the area that you need to experience peace in your life in, and I want you to trade it with somebody else. I know it's, that's, that's risky. That's it's scary, right? Um, but, I, I, but the reason why we want to do this is that the reason why we want to do this is that we want to commit to create peace in each other's lives. We want to create to be peacemakers, right? And so um, I'm going to call the band back up. Uh, we're going to just as we kind of wrap into this, this section here. Um, and so maybe it's not even just prayer. Like prayer is a practical step. Trading this card with someone else is a practical step. So why don't we maybe right now just, if you want, just like take a moment and actually trade it with somebody right now. Give you guys a few moments to do so. And so, this week, I want you to commit to pray for peace in that person's life this week. And maybe there's other practical ways that we can be peacemakers in each other's lives as well. But let this card be a reminder to us that we are peacemakers. Let this card be a reminder to us that we are the ones who create peace in other people's lives as well. That we trust in God, the God of peace, that as we live as his children, we are also peacemakers. That we are also living out of a posture of peace. Right, so take this card and put it on your fridge, put it in your mirror, put it on your dashboard, put it somewhere that you're going to see it and be reminded every single day this week to pray for those who need peace around you, right? And so this is just a practical step that we can take together in this house, that we can take together as Horizon to listen, to live from a posture of peace together, right? And so I'm going to ask you guys if you guys can stand to your feet as we prepare to close. And can I get everybody to close their eyes and bow their heads with me right now? This is just, it's, it's a way to create space for people to respond right now in this moment. And so maybe you have never experienced the peace of Jesus in your life. And you are here today and you want to experience the peace of Jesus in your life. 
if this is you, if you sense that something deep down inside of you is saying, I want to experience the peace of Jesus in my life, can you raise your hand right now? I see those hands going up. And just it's, it's just a sign between you and God that you are open, right? That you are expectant, that you want to experience the peace of Jesus in your life. You can put your hands down. If you are here today and you want to commit to living from a posture of peace, from the posture of the kingdom of heaven, you want to commit with me to follow Jesus in living out these postures of peace in the world around us, can I get you to raise your hand right now? If you raise your hand, you can put, it, you can put your hands down, but if you raise your hand because you want to experience the peace of Jesus in your life, or if you are committing to follow Jesus in living out these postures of peace, can, let, let, can we pray together? Right? And so we're going to pray this prayer that is also found in the Sermon on the Mount. It is a prayer that has come to be called the Lord's Prayer. Because Jesus gave this prayer to his followers, to us. And it's the first prayer that the church prayed together. And I think as we take... This, 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 this step together to be peacemakers, to live out of the posture of peace. It's fitting for us to pray this prayer together as we trust that God will allow us to experience peace in our lives. Yeah. Right. So if you can repeat after me. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. If you raise your hand today if you raise your hand today to say yes to experiencing the peace of Jesus in your life, I just want to encourage you to share that with the person that you invited you, the person that you came with. And if you didn't come with somebody, truthfully look around, there's a family here that is willing to walk with you through this. Let, it, let us pray with you. Let, it, let, let us encourage you as you continue to say yes to saying, I want to experience Jesus' peace in my life. And if you raised your hand about following Jesus and living from a posture of peace, Consider attending Grow today after the service, right? Because and it, it's going to be taking place in the fireside room right after the service. And if you're unsure where that is, um, there, one, there's signs. And if not, um, anybody with uh, one of those tags that Daniel's holding up right there, um, the, yeah, the Horizon team, they'd be more than happy to direct you, more than happy to show you exactly where that is. Because I think that one, one of the, the beautiful things about Grow and the beautiful things about groups and the beautiful things about being able to be present together in these spaces is that we get to encourage each other to live from the postures of the kingdom of heaven. We get to understand how these postures are lived out in our lives, how we are designed to grow. We are designed to be present with one another as peacemakers, as people who live out of this posture together, right? And so I think the band, I think um, Pastor Craig has something to say, so I'm gonna let him say something. Yeah, you know what? This could be a challenge for you, but I want you to take the challenge. I mean, if there's something super personal on there that you don't want anybody ever to see, uh, give it to somebody who you have no clue who they are. 
But really, when we engage with Jesus from a posture that we have been made right with God, we can make things right in the world through the power of Jesus. Asking Jesus, as Carl closed there in prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. So as we pray, we're saying, God, in places where there's people need help in their home or they need help in their health or whatever, on earth as it is in heaven, bring peace in places where there needs to be reconciliation, Jesus. Bring hope where there's hopelessness. And just all kinds of... So, Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that our posture has changed because our identity has changed as we've decided to follow Jesus, that we're not hoping for peace one day. We have been given peace because of Jesus and help us to be peacemakers in our world, Lord Jesus. Whatever comes against us, Lord Jesus, whatever we go through, that we don't change our posture because our identity does not change as sons and daughters of Jesus.